Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. And uh, I told you that some time ago, the Lord began to speak to me and he said, uh, the Lord will give you assignments. And uh, for instance, he gave Pastor Michelle the assignment recently to be preaching on the power in the name or the power of the name. And if you haven't watched those or listened to those, my Lord, I married a preaching machine. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What's that? 2.0, that's right. Amen. She says I taught her everything she knows, and I just kind of agree. That... But uh, the Lord said to me some time ago or uh, recently, he said, a revelation of covenant is what changed your life. And he said, I need you to preach that more. And so tonight, I want to start looking at this. I'm calling it a covenant of blood. A covenant of blood. And uh, a, a covenant mindset is a requirement for strong faith. I have to have a covenant mindset. For faith to work, faith must be based on something that is unchangeable, unfailable, And it has to be truth. Faith is based on truth. Hope can be based on something that's not truth. You get your hope as a believer from the truth. But hope can be based on something that's not truth. I've had people make promises to other people. They've made promises to me too. But but the person I'm thinking about, a certain individual promised them many, many hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that person had a strong hope based on something that this person could not produce. Real Bible hope is based on the Word of God. But Bible hope is not a good receiver. Faith is the receiver. Hope is the picture. To have strong faith... I have to have a covenant mindset. I have to have a covenant mindset. The Bible is truth because, yes, God spoke it, the Holy Spirit wrote it, but it's a covenant. It's From Genesis to Revelation, it's a covenant. I'll say this more than once. The Bible is a covenant that's bound by blood on both ends. It started with blood and it ends with blood. And there's blood throughout. The the Bible is a covenant book that's covered by blood on both parts. Amen. Amen. And so there are three very important things to always remember. Number one, you are a spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 And I pray God sanctify you holy spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit. I'm not going to take a lot of time on this, but that's one of the very first things to remember. You are a spirit. You possess, you, you possess a soul, you live in a body. You, you're, you're right. You, you don't have a spirit, you are a spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Number two, 
You, number one, you are a spirit. Number two, you have a covenant. You have a covenant. Hallelujah. I said this morning, a covenant is different than a contract. A contract can be based upon a lie. A covenant must be based upon truth. And it must be based upon the truth of the initiator. You know, we make statements like, if your word's no good, you're no good. Well, that's absolutely the truth. So if your word is no good, your contract will be no good. Because you may not keep your word. A covenant is binding. A covenant of marriage is different than a contract of marriage. You add a prenuptial agreement to a contract of marriage, there is no prenuptial agreement to a covenant of marriage. See, a covenant of marriage says what? For better or worse, richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do we part. Is that right? And now people in the faith camp, we kind of shy away from that because we don't like to talk about sickness and health and poverty and, and things of that nature. But, you know, has anybody in here ever been sick since you've been married? Have you ever faced a financial challenge since you've been married? Right? Uh, has there been better times and worse times? Oh, say amen or we'll pray for lying. Amen. But here, here, here's the point. But when you looked at that person and it came into your mind, not just I love them. Not just I care about them, I got a covenant with them. This is my covenant partner. In, <coughs> excuse me. In a covenant, the parties become one. And, right? The parties become one. And there can be no separation without the damage of one of the parties. I've dealt with people over the years that have went through a divorce. And, and, and I've had people say a divorce is almost like going through a, uh, a death. Well, it is. Because something died. Is that marriage. And two that were one were ripped apart. You follow me? Hallelujah. So, so a marriage covenant is something that is unbreakable. If you think of it in the terms of covenant. That's not just your wife or your husband. That's your covenant partner. So you have a covenant with Almighty God. God is your covenant partner. And the covenant that we're a part of is based on the initiator of the covenant. The truth, the covenant is based on the truthfulness of the initiator of the covenant, which is God. Thirdly. The Bible is a covenant book sealed with covenant blood on both ends. The blood of old covenant sacrifices under the first covenant and the blood of Christ the Lamb under the second covenant. Oh, hallelujah. Genesis 15 is where we want to start. And to get the jest, the context, the pertinence of covenant we have to start in the beginning 
when I would teach on covenant in FBIMA, that was bar none, the favorite class that people had. And, uh, well, something that changes your life, you can teach something that touches you, and it'll be good, but when you teach something that changed your life, amen. amen. I, I remember the day that Pastor Michelle came home, and I'd been studying this and in the Word of God, and she came home. She came home from that job she was working, and it was late, uh, 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 a lot of times I would take her, sometimes I wouldn't. If I had to go to church, I would take her and, and then pick her up after church. And, and, uh, but th- this time she happened to have the van. And she came home and came walking in that little apartment we had down the hallway. And I met her in the hallway and I said, Michelle, there's blood between us and God. That was such a revelation to me. That there's a blood covenant between us and God. Amen. Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Now notice, Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? The steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, and Abram said to, uh, to me, you have given no seed, and one born in my house is my heir. The word of the Lord came to Abram, saying, This shall not be your heir, but he that will come forth out of your own bowels shall be your heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if you're able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall your seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he, the Lord, counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give unto you the land to inherit it. And he said, Lord, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? What token are you going to give me? Because you're making me a promise, but there's no token. Right? In other words, there's no down payment. You know, the Bible, and, and I don't want to get ahead of myself because this will be on down the line in this series, but the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the earnest of our inheritance, the token, the down payment, as powerful as being filled with the Holy Spirit is, leading us, guiding us, directing us, helping us, the ability to pray in the Holy Ghost. Ultimately, the Bible says one of the first things it says about the Holy Spirit in Paul's epistles is that he is the down payment of what's coming. So Abram says, Lord, what token will you give me that I will know that I will inherit it? And he said, take me a heifer of three years old, a she-goat of three years old, a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Every kind of Old Testament sacrifice was mentioned right there. Heifer, uh, ram, goat. He said, take a heifer, a she-goat, a ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Five, five sacrifices. All of the Old Testament sacrifices are mentioned right here. This is important. Because every sacrifice in the Old Testament was based on blood. If you needed a cleansing, blood had to be applied. Amen. Amen. 
And God made, God made this covenant of blood available to whosoever. The, 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 the turtle dove and the young pigeon were for people that either could not afford a goat or a ram or a heifer, or maybe they were away from where they could buy one, but they could get a turtle dove or a young pigeon. Amen. The, the, the heifer represented different things. But at the crux, at the center of it, was the blood and the covenant. You were redeemed from your sin because of a covenant. Not because God felt sorry for you. There was a covenant of blood, hear me, that God could not break. And we'll read one of the instances in the Old Testament tonight. And all the way through the Bible, God said, the people are going to go away from me. They're going to go sin. They're going to make mistakes. But my covenant, I will not alter. And I won't change what came out of my mouth. Hallelujah. Amen. Do, do, do you see this? And he said, he took all, the thro- all these and divided them in the midst. And laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. Now notice, blood was required. Blood ultimately made the covenant more binding. It made it more strong. There was life given. This covenant meant something. Especially in the day that we're talking about. This would, this would have been part of your uh, uh, monetary fund. You, you got to take a heifer of three years old, uh, a goat, a ram. You know, people that did not have much didn't have those things. And if they had one and they sacrificed it or they used it as a covenant, it meant something to them. That represented their livelihood. My life is there on the ground there. So when I walk through the blood of my sacrifice, it means something to me. It's not an arbitrary thing. It means that is part of my life. And when I swear to you, I'm swearing on my own life. Hallelujah. Mm. So it wasn't merely a promise. It was a blood-sworn oath. Get a hold of that. God was not just promising like we think promise. You know, have you seen people? You know, uh, uh, sometimes you'll even, you know, you'll see it on a movie or people will laugh about it, right? And they'll raise their hand. They'll say, yeah, I promise. And then behind their back, they're like that. It means their promise is worthless because of what they think about a promise. It's a rare thing to see somebody today that when they say, I promise, that's it. I'll be there. Unless there's a mistake, something I didn't know comes up. If I promised, if I gave you my... See, covenant people think different. And that's why faith works best for people with a covenant mindset because faith requires honesty. Faith requires truthfulness and faith requires character. My integrity and my character have to be unquestionable. You follow me? Oh, glory. Genesis, right there, you're 15. Look at verse 12. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. A horror of great darkness fell on him. And he, God, said to Abram, Know of a surety that your seed shall be a stranger in a land that's not theirs, 
and serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they will serve will I judge. And afterward they will come out with great substance. And you will go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age. The context is, because of this covenant, I will judge the nation that afflicts your seed. They will come out of bondage with great substance. And you will go to your fathers in peace in a good old age because of the covenant that we're entering into. Covenant people don't worry because they're in covenant with Almighty God. You understand? For you have a covenant promise from the book of Jeremiah that your children will come again from the land of the enemy. And that you are to, because of your covenant, refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. For there is hope in your latter end, saith God. Who's God? Your covenant partner. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, God stood in blood. God's still standing in blood. He's standing in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's still there. He walked through animal blood here. He stands in the blood of Christ now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Every attack of the enemy is an attempt to usurp your covenant. To cause, listen, to cause you to move out of that covenant right. Your responsibility where covenant is concerned is your faith and your obedience. If I will believe God and obey God, the covenant will always work. Amen. That's covenant mindset. Well, why, why are you believing God? Because I have a covenant with God. It cannot fail. Amen. Hallelujah. The song we sang tonight. People always ask me, why do you always win? People always ask me, you never sink. You always swim. Amen. I just look at them and say, be led. Well, you understand? When you have a covenant mindset, it's easier for the Holy Spirit to lead you. Huh. So notice that. I'll judge the nation that afflicts your seed. So the Lord said to us, the Lord that we have a covenant with, said this year, this year, that you get recompense for any suffering and any pain that you've endured. I will judge the nation that afflicts your seed. The devil's not going to, God didn't, listen, now I'm going to say this and you do whatever you want to do with it, but read your Bible and and just judge it. Here's the thing. People always talk, and and I'm going to say this because people that I have great respect for say this, and I'm not disagreeing with the person, I'm disagreeing with the position. And they will say, yeah, uh, God made Egypt pay them back. For 400 years of bondage. The problem with that 
is God does not chase the enemy to make him pay back. Who were they in covenant with? God paid them back. But how do I know that? Because notice what he said. He said, they will serve them for 400 years. I will judge that nation. And your people will come out with great substance. You, you understand what I'm saying? You have a covenant that says this. Those that bless you, I will bless and those that curse you are going to be cursed. Amen. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? It's in the covenant. It's irrevocable. It just happens. I'm blessed and I cannot be cursed. Now why? Covenant. Remember in the book of Numbers, do you, rem- do you remember what, what, what Balaam said? Balak took him and said, I, uh, 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 I want you to curse these people. Is that right? And, and remember he went and what did he offer? Seven sacrifices? He was appealing to God. Do you realize that Balaam was trying to get God to curse his covenant people? And he offered the sacrifices and God said, no, 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 no. He began to bless them. Oh, I see Israel. I see them like a, a, a field of sheep. And they're blessed and they're prosperous and they're beautiful. And Balak said, whoa, 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 man. I brought you to curse these people and you're blessing them. Remember Balaam? I can't curse what God has blessed. Amen. Don't miss that. So you really think the situation that the world is going through can affect you when you have a covenant with God? You really think that whatever party is in the White House has a bearing on your covenant? Covenant mindset. You can't curse what God has blessed. That Listen, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is that part of the world that has been brought into the blessing, the covenant of Abraham. One of the reasons that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church is we have a covenant with Almighty God. Our enemies may rise up against us seven ways or one way, but they'll flee from us seven ways. One of us will put a thousand to flight. Two of us will put ten thousand to flight. Because we got a covenant. We got a covenant. It's got to be your mindset. What makes somebody like Jonathan, Saul's son, that he sees a garrison of Philistines and he just decides to climb the mountain and go fight them? And he said, it may be the Lord's with us. And his armor bearer said, do all that's in your heart. I'm with your heart and soul. And it says that Jonathan climbed up And went into the garrison of the Philistines. And that the Lord wrought a great victory that day. Now what was the difference? Two covenant men 
against a garrison of non-covenant men. It's got to be your mindset. When you're making a business deal, are they covenant people or non-covenant people? I'm not trying to get anybody. But if you don't have a covenant, I win. It's going to end up good for me. And then you don't feel bad about your covenant working. Amen. Verse 17. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day, the Lord, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Under your seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt under the great river, the river Euphrates. Notice, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp. Now, we know that was God. But here's the thing. In most covenants, both participants walked through the blood and made promises. I promise to do this. I promise to do that. Abraham wakes up and God's walking through those pieces. And God is swearing. Do you see that? Don't, don't miss this. God made a covenant. Notice. Now, now watch. Remember Abraham? He said concerning this. Verse 8. How shall I know that I will inherit it? What token are you going to give me? Well, God could have said, well, I've said it. That's good enough. He said, okay, you want a token? Go get these sacrifices. Bring them. Split them in half. And Abraham sat there and drove the fowls off of them. And then that that deep sleep came on him. And when he woke up, God was walking through those pieces making a promise. This is God saying, you want a token? You want a promise? Here it is. You can see me walking through these pieces. And I'm swearing things to you. Oh my goodness. In this covenant, God alone walked through the pieces. All he needed was Abraham's obedience. To get into covenant. Abraham's obedience brought him into covenant with God. Oh, hallelujah. So God alone walked through the pieces. He didn't require Abraham to walk through the pieces because to do so would have made him equal with God. This covenant was all about God and what he wanted to do for Abraham. Hallelujah. Abraham can never be God's equal. I can't be God's equal. 
but I'm in the covenant. Not based on what I did in the sense of my failures, my mistakes, but based on the fact that I obeyed God. When you made Jesus your Lord, you came into this covenant. <laughs> Amen. Now, 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 let's look here. Genesis 22. Let's look at something. This is when God asked Abram, Abraham, his friend, to take Isaac to Mount Moriah. And he said something here. Is this okay? That has to be the first thing that comes up in your mind. I have a covenant. Not what am I going to do. I have a covenant. Think about this. If you have a covenant of blood with Almighty God, can you fail? Now I'm hearing the right answers, and I believe you believe that. It's not possible. But you got to believe it. I can't fail. Well, Pastor, you know, I, you know, we can. We can fail. Well, see, that mindset's not a covenant mindset. But before this inc- incident, when Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been taken captive... Did he go around and say, what are we going to do? I just don't know what we're going to do. What's the Bible say he did? It said he armed his trained servants and went out after them. Why? Because he thought he was so much? No, he knew who was on his side. That's evidenced by when he got back, the first thing he did was tithe to Melchizedek. And what, what did he tell the king of Sodom? The king of Sodom said, give me the people and you take the stuff. He said, I raised my hand. I swore I made a covenant with God himself that I wouldn't take anything from you. Not even a shoelace. So you couldn't say you made Abram rich. Your job's not making you prosperous. Your covenant is. That's why prosperity is just looking for you. It's searching for you. Goodness and mercy are following you. All the days of your covenant life. Oh, hallelujah. Genesis twenty two sixteen. 16. This is the Lord. He said, by myself have I sworn. Now, wait a minute. By myself I have sworn. Well, when did he by himself swear? Back in Genesis 15. I swore some things. By myself have I sworn. For because you have done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son. See, there's the obedience. Now think about this. They're covenant partners. When God walked through the blood, now they're covenant partners. My covenant partner has the right to ask me for anything. When you understand covenant, disobedience is a thing of your past. 
Because my covenant partner has the right to ask me for anything. My time, my life, my money. Amen. When I got the revelation of covenant, God was now free to ask me to do what he wanted me to do. Because how many times have you heard people say, well, God's been dealing with me. They haven't done it yet. Well, God's been dealing with me. Well, why haven't you done it? Well, you know, it's because you don't see it as covenant. In a covenant relationship, now this this is my brother. This is my brother in the natural and my brother in the spiritual. So even in the natural, just in the natural, I believe he would do anything for me within reason and I would do anything for him. I really would. I just want to say publicly, this is one of the best men I know. Mark Gazaway is a good man. You just mark that down. Hallelujah. But here's my point. If in a covenant, if he comes to me and he says, Philip, I have a need. I need you to pay it. We have a covenant. There's no provision in the covenant for I can't do it. I have a covenant with him. Now, this is a covenant mindset, not a contract mindset. That means I, I, now, understand what I'm saying when I say this. It means I will go into debt to get him fixed. If he comes to me and says, my house notes do, I don't have the money. I need you to pay it. Give me your checkbook. We're in covenant. You see what I'm saying? That's the covenant mindset versus the contract mindset. You don't have a contract with God. You have a covenant with God. That's why, the, see, the covenant mindset is, I am not my own. I am bought with a price. Do you see that? So Isaac was Abraham's son, But Abraham viewed him more as God's son than his son. Because it was the covenant that produced Isaac. Because the covenant of promise said, one that comes out of your own body will be your heir. Is that right? And so when God asked Abraham... For the son of the covenant, Abraham went very quickly and readily to do what God asked him to do. A covenant mindset is one of obedience and not just obedience, instant obedience. You know, the quicker you do what God asks you to do, the less time the devil has to play with your mind. Right? Have you ever had God ask you to sow a seed and you thought about it a day or so and the more you thought about it, the more you found places you could use that money? (laughs) Anybody besides me? Well, I can tell you're Michelle's son. Have mercy. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Right? Or go tell somebody something or go do something and the more you think about it, 
the more you come up with reasons. And sometimes you look back on the reason you think, my Lord, you mean I delayed doing what God wanted me to do because of that? What is a covenant mindset? My covenant partner is asking me to do this. I need to act on it now. Well, I can't do it all right now. What can you do about it right now? Right? God said, take your son, your only son, take him to one of the mountains that I'm going to show you and offer him there as a sacrifice. What's the very next verse say? And the next morning, Abraham arose early. The very next day, he's on his way. There were no tears. There was no boo-hooing. I saw a movie one time that Abraham was weeping and crying. Oh, God, you gave me a son, and now you're asking me for it. And he loaded him in a wagon. There wasn't even a wagon in the story. Just like there wasn't a horse in Acts chapter 9. And, 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 and it showed the whole camp sad. Woo-hoo-hoo. And it showed Sarah behind the wagon. My son fell over in the sand. Sand all over her face. Ah. (laughs) No. Uh Uh-uh. It's a lie. He got up in the morning, saddled the donkey, right? Got the wood together, told his servants, come on. Come on, son. Right? Let's go worship God. Amen. Got to the mountain. Isaac said, well, I see the, fire, the wood. Where's the sacrifice? Son, God will provide. Did, do you see that? Well, I thought God asked him to sacrifice his son. But yet Abraham is thinking, God will provide. Why? By myself, I have sworn. Can you see God right now standing in covenant blood swearing to you? Don't you worry another night. By myself, I have sworn. What's some of the things he said? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you to the ends of the world. I that have begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Oh, glory. Amen. I will bless you going in and I will bless you coming out. I'll make you, I'll bless you in your basket, in your storehouse, everywhere you go, in the city, in the field, everywhere you go, I'll bless you and I'll make your name great. And he's standing in covenant blood doing that. That's your mindset. See, that's your mindset. Abraham wasn't thinking loss. He was thinking provision. God will provide. 
Hebrews tells us, I'm getting ahead of myself, but Hebrews tells us that Abraham made the decision about his covenant partner that if he had to raise Isaac from the dead, that's what he would do. But Abraham had decided, I'm going through with my end of this agreement. We're going to the mountain. And we're going to worship the Lord. And he got to the mountain. And he bound his son. See, religious people that don't have a concept of covenant try to soften that. Well, you know, don't. You always know when religious people are about to be religious. They go, well. <laughs> right? Well, now, brother, do you really believe? I Listen, let me, let me help you in case after 24 years this year, you don't know yet. I really believe this. And he really said that Abraham really took his son to that mountain. And Abraham really tied him up. And Abraham really bound him to the altar. And Abraham really picked up a knife. And Abraham really raised up the knife. And Abraham was really just about to bring that knife down. When God said, stop it. Now I know. You can have a covenant, but God has to know that you're going to do your part. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Those things, those challenges that come to you, that you've got to use your faith to overcome, those are simply tests of your covenant. God has given you faith to stay in your covenant. Just keep working your faith. The covenant will always work. Religion says, well, God will ask for you, Isaac, sometimes. God always asks for your best. God doesn't want your second-hand loafers. He'll always ask for your best. He wants the best of your time. He wants the best of your energy. That's why people make a mistake. They are giving their covenant partner the leftovers of their life. God wants the best. Let me come over here and speak loud to be heard. God wants the best of your life. Amen. You don't get up in the morning and drink your coffee and read your paper and check out all the news footage and then give God 30 minutes. You get up in the morning and you give your covenant friend the best part of your day. And you start your day off with a covenant relationship with your friend God. God wants your best. Want your leftovers? Uh, oh, it's early yet. Amen. I've run into preachers. Well, why can't I? I just can't do this. Now. God wants your best. He wants your best. Amen. Have you, have you ever thought about this? God asks you to do something 
Because he believes you will. And I decided years ago, I'm not going to let him down. People say, have you been 100%? None of us have been 100% in anything. Except making mistakes. And 100% of us have done that. But I made a decision a long time ago. Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to act on it as quick as I can. I'm going to give you the best. And if I got to repent and I got to back up and I got to throw it in reverse and then hit it again, I'll do it that way. But you are going to get the best of my time. And people have got frustrated with me. People have got angry at me. People have left my life. People have left my church. People have told me I'm too hard. People have told me I expect too much out of people. No, I expect you to live like you got a covenant with God. It's what I expect. It's what God expects of us. Hallelujah. There there, there are people sitting under the sound of my voice tonight. God redeemed you. They wanted to take you to the third floor. But your covenant said no. I said it this morning. Somebody keeps trying to say God took somebody. But your covenant says God didn't take them. God received them. I have a covenant provision that when my loved ones leave this earth, God receives them. Hallelujah. I got a a covenant provision that everything my hands touch will be blessed. So when God asks you to do something, don't look at the problem. Don't look at the sacrifice. Come on, sometimes we talk about what we've sacrificed. This covenant of blood that we have costs somebody everything. And it cost us our time or our location or a little money. Or the prestige of people. (laughs) I have a covenant partner that I'm more interested in pleasing. (laughs) Oh, am I helping you with this? (sighs) So God wants your best. So when God says, I need you to do this, it's, hear me when I say this, it's not an either or proposition if you have a covenant mindset. When somebody asks you to do something nowadays, now don't misunderstand me when I say this. I know there's, there's times you can't, and I understand that, in the natural. But think about this. If somebody asks me to do something, if I can do it. For instance, I've been on the road traveling back to Arkansas or coming up here, and somebody would call me, my pastor or somebody else very close to me, and it would be Monday, and, and they would say, uh, hey, I've got an appointment, or I've got this at, you know, 5 o'clock tonight. Uh, are you in town? I'll be there. You, you hear what I'm saying? Now, that's in the natural. I don't want to let that person down. I'll be there. And there's been times I've rolled up in that situation, having, having just went almost directly there from off the road. They say, oh, how's your day been? Oh, great. Been great. Been wonderful. Amen. Amen. That's my mindset. I'm going to do everything I can 
to make sure I do what you ask me to do. How much more with the covenant that we have with God should, right? I want to make sure. God said, take your son, your only son, to the mountain that I'll show you. And he went. And he wasn't thinking loss. He was thinking provision. To think about what you might lose is to, to minus the covenant you have. Mm. And he said, let's, let's read on. <laughs> By myself have I sworn, because you've done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son, in blessing I will bless you, multiply and I'll multiply your seed as the stars of, of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of his enemy. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Why? We have a covenant that guarantees us we possess the gates of our enemies. Amen. Gates in the Bible always represent authority. Amen. And he says the authorities of hell will not prevail against the church. That word prevail means not win one victory. Why? We have a covenant. We possess their gates. They can't possess ours. Don't, don't, covenant people do not talk about how weak the church is, how inept the church is, how asleep the church is. I don't know what church they go to. They're not going to the church. They're going to a poser. Y'all know what a poser is? I know what a poser is. I grew up in West Texas. I, I grew up cowboying. I didn't grow up dressing like a cowboy. I grew up as a cowboy. I, I didn't wear boots because I liked them. I wore them because that was my job. I team roped. I rodeoed. I roped in the field. I broke horses. I were a cowboy. I didn't pose as one. And I could point out a poser to you in a minute. Easy. Because there's a difference. Is you or ain't you? Well, see, here's the question. And I know that's not good English, but is you or ain't you part of the church? If you is, you have a covenant. And you cannot be defeated. Mm, I'm helping you. I'm helping myself. And in your seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Notice, because you have obeyed my voice. My obedience affects the future generation. If I'm not where I need to be, my family's not where they need to be. And there are things they will miss. I'll never forget. Of course, Pastor Ron and Deborah, and I was talking to Sister Deborah's dad one day. And of course, they went to Agape for a number of years. And he was talking to me one time, and, and, and he made the statement. He said, uh, when, when I'm at your church, that same anointing, that same uh, spirit that I would feel at Agape, I feel here. Well, Pastor Caldwell's my pastor, so that makes sense. But he made a statement to me about Agape. He said, God took us to Agape 
for our kids. Now think about that for a moment. Now I, I know the story from secondhand sources, so if, if I miss a detail, uh, y'all can correct me after church. But 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 I, I remember Pastor Caldwell talking to me about her dad. Y'all, he had moved from California. Is that right? Y'all had moved from California uh, to Little Rock, and and he met with Pastor Caldwell, and Pastor Caldwell was talking to him, and he said, uh, "Well, I'm here to check out your church." I believe this is where God wants us to be in. Well, sure enough, that's what happened. They went to that church, and kids grew up in that church, and got the word of faith implanted strongly in their hearts and in their, in their spirits in that church. Well, you know, there come a time that the whole family moved away from that church. But here's the thing. What you see in Deborah Poole, was it worth Moving from California to Little Rock, going to Agape Church, was it worth it? When you're where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing, it affects your children. It affects the generations that are coming. It affects your grandchildren. (laughs) I'm helping you. Ever where they may be, are you where you're supposed to be? Because if you're where you're supposed to be, you got a covenant with Almighty God. Let me hurry. Oh, thank you, Heavenly Father. He said, by myself have I sworn. The word sworn, it means to seven oneself. To seven, S-E-V-E-N, to seven oneself. In other words, it means God saying, I have sworn seven times. Seven is God's number. It's, It's perfection. It's completeness. And so God's saying, I have sevened myself. In other words, here's what he's saying. There's no way out of this covenant for me, Abraham. And because you obeyed me, there's no way for this covenant not to work for you. Why? Because I am bound by this covenant. You are only bound by the covenant if you choose to. God is bound by the covenant regardless. Because God can't lie. He sevened himself. Amen. You understand? You remember when Abraham brought his servant to him and said, I don't want you to take a wife of my, of, for my son from these people. He said, go to our people and get him a wife. And remember what he did? He said, put your hand under my thigh. And what? Swear to me. That's what God did. He stood on that mountain and he smote his thigh. I swear to you, by myself, I'm binding myself to this oath. Your seed will inherit the gates of its enemies. Oh my God. 
God is bound to this. People are bound if they want to be. I can, I can come in and out of the covenant. Why? Because remember what's required? Faith and obedience. God's bound. Think about this for a moment. Why is it that if you move away from the plan of God, and then you repent and you come back, you just pick up where you left off? Because God doesn't change. Why does he say the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance? What God calls you to do, you're called to do. You can't repent of it. You can't say, I don't want it. You can't just walk away from it. I mean, you can in that sense. But what that means is I've called you to do this, and you'll stand accountable for what I called you to do. But you don't have to do it if you don't have a covenant mindset. Covenant mindset's on me. If I have a covenant mindset, yes, I do. I have to do it. My pastor was on a motorcycle trip one time, and, 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 and it was uh, coming up on a Saturday, and he said, well, we got to go back tomorrow. And one of, the, one of the ministers they were on that road trip with said, oh, that, that church will make it without you. And he said, no, they won't. No, they won't. See, I have a covenant with the people in our church. In both places, in both locations, I have a covenant with the people of my church to be your pastor, to lead you, to guide you, to protect you, to keep you, to teach you, to train you, to feed you. Right? The elders that are among you, I exhort. Feed the flock of God that is among you. Take in the oversight thereof. Amen. Not by restraint, but willingly. Do you understand? There's a covenant. Because you are God's sheep. I'm God's shepherd. There's a covenant that you have to willingly enter into. Now, God's not trying to get out of the covenant, but He couldn't if He wanted to. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself, but look, this is preview. Moses, I'm going to destroy all these people. And I'm going to start over with you. Makes sense. He did it with Noah. What did Moses say? God, Father, remember your covenant. Well, had God forgotten? No. God wasn't going to break his covenant. He was going to keep the covenant alive. Moses was a Hebrew. He was the seed of Abraham. God wasn't going to, God can't break the covenant. But what did Moses bring to God? Covenant. What do you bring to God? Covenant. We sang it tonight. I come to you on the basis of your word. On the basis of your covenant. And I ask in faith based on the covenant. And based on the covenant, I am heard. Should I tell Abraham the, Abram the thing that I'm going to do? And Abram approached the Lord. Right? And what did he say? Don't let the Lord of heaven and earth be angry. But if there's 50 righteous. Is that right? Covenant relationship. 
Ha, ha, ha. God's saying, this covenant is based on what I have promised. Abraham's part was faith and obedience. That's how we enter into the covenant. Look at Hebrews 6. I got time to finish this up. We never really finish it up, but. This will revolutionize your life. Revolutionize it. Uh, Hebrews 6, verse 13. When God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. What did he say? Surely blessing I will bless you and multiply and I will multiply you. And after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men barely swear by the greater. Now, understand, this is, putting, this is putting Abraham's mindset together for us. That even as a man, Abraham understood that when somebody greater than you swears, it's a confirmation and puts an end to all strife. There's no more question. Because someone greater than me has sworn. You see that? Hallelujah. God, notice this, could find no one greater. Because he could swear by no greater. Now I saw one time that the context here, I heard this one time, the context here is that God looked around for someone greater and couldn't find them. And people say, well, duh. Well, but think about this. God, God is entering into a covenant here. And he's saying, I can't swear by anybody greater than me. So I'm going to swear by myself. Abraham woke up, God was walking through those pieces, and God was swearing by himself. God didn't make you promises based on what you would do. God made you promises based on what he will do. And your ability to enter into those promises is dependent upon your faith, your belief in him, and your obedience to what he asked. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see this? Now notice. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise. Chapter 11 around verse 9 tells us that we're the heirs of promise. The immutability of his counsel. Now, immutability is unchangeableness. Counsel is his word. The immutability, the unchangeableness. Uh, Brother Wyatt, if you would show me that in the Amplified Bible, that'd be a big help. Because I want you to see this. I, I just got a little bit, got one paragraph on the back, so just hang on with me. Change your life. 
Accordingly, God also in His desire. Whose desire? To show more convincingly and beyond doubt to those who were to inherit the promise, the unchangeableness of His purpose and plan, intervened, mediated with an oath. King James says it confirmed it by an oath. Show me that verse 18 in the Amplified Bible, please. This was so that by two unchangeable things, his promise, his word, and his oath, his covenant, two unchangeable things in which it is impossible. Now, wait a minute. Do you see the verbiage? It's his promise and his oath. To who? The heirs of promise. Who's that? Us. In those two things, it is impossible. Now, you do whatever you want to with the word impossible. M, prefix M, in front of possible means it can't happen. It is impossible for God to ever prove false or deceive us. Covenant mindset. It is impossible. We who have fled to him for refuge might have, notice, mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast the hope for us and set before us. The hope appointed for us and set before us. When you what? When you think about the covenant. In those two things, his word, that's why the word is called truth. Why is the word called truth? It's his word and his covenant. They can't change. It's impossible. It's impossible. So the covenant says you're the head and not the tail, that you're above only and not beneath. Is that right? Why would you ever expect to not be the head or to not be above only? Why would you ever expect to not ever be more than a conqueror? Do circumstances change the covenant? Can the devil get into the covenant? Easy answer, no. Why? He has no blood. God made it blood so the devil couldn't get into it. There's only, ha, 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 right? That, that's why there's a man in the Godhead. Because a man shed covenant blood for you and I. And that man that shed that covenant blood is still alive and still putting into operation that covenant. That's why it's his church, his body. Glory! God sealed His word or His promise with the blood covenant. Uh, 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 In Genesis 22, verse 9. I got one verse after this. Genesis 22 and verse 9. 
And they came to the place that God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order, bound Isaac his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And we talked about this earlier, but the covenant that God made with Abraham was to Abraham stronger than death. The covenant is stronger than the death of my son. The covenant will overcome the death of my son. A covenant mindset is not a lost mindset. I've heard people's testimonies. Well, I gave up millions of dollars a year to serve Jesus. I was an entertainer, entertainer, a singer, an actor, and I gave, let me tell you what I gave up for Jesus. I gave up millions of dollars a year. I gave up hell. And I'm not making light of that. I understand that people give up things to follow. You know, when you forsake the world and embrace the cross, there are things that, that naturally, you know, the world's not going to pay you to do anymore. But if you have a covenant with God, what'd you lose? Nothing. Because a covenant mindset is not a lost mindset. The covenant is stronger than death. It's never over. Yeah, but so-and-so, I know so-and-so passed away. Well, were they born again? Yeah, they had a covenant with God. They're alive forever. It's never over. It just is better. Are you following me? So when you start thinking about what you could lose, are you following me? Is this all right? Amen. You know, God, God will ask you to do something. I heard Brother Keith say something one time, and he was talking about uh, uh, that, you know, they were living in Tulsa. And he said they, they got out of Ramah, and God had blessed them, and their ministry was doing pretty good, you know. And, and he said, we finally got a nice house. We had worked our way up from a, 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 a small, bad apartment to a bigger, better apartment. And then we finally got into a house. And, and you know, we'd been working and using our faith to, to renovate it and remodel it. And he said, Phyllis had just got her kitchen just the way she wanted it. Somebody had come to her with a wad of cash and said, renovate your kitchen. And she just got her kitchen renovated the way it was. Uh, uh, granite countertops. I mean, nice stainless steel appliances. You know, just everything. Now, now this, this is important. They got a hanger. They got a little plane. They're flying. They don't have to drive everywhere. They're flying everywhere. They're, they're traveling around preaching. And one day they're driving through Branson, Missouri. And he said, I just kind of begin to sense something. And he said, I kind of didn't pay a lot of attention to it. And the more I would pray, I would keep getting Branson. He said, everything's in Tulsa. 
And I would tell the Lord, Lord, our, our house is there and, and our hangar and our plane. And I mean, we got a hangar. And, and, and listen, I've, I've, listen, I've been on the waiting list for hangers. You got to get on a waiting list. And when you get one, you got to buy it up. You got to snatch it up because people want them. He said, I got a hangar. I got a, a plane. Lord, we just got our house the way we wanted it. And he said, but, but we, boy, we'd be praying in Branson. Hallelujah. And he said, I, I just kept rolling that around in my spirit. And I, I, it, it was some time later, he said, I was shaving. And the people kind of laughed. And he said, yeah, even with a beard, you got to shave. But anyway, he said, I was shaving. And the Lord asked me a question. Don't you think... If I'm asking you to move, that I can do better where I'm taking you than what you have now? Amen. And he said, that sealed the deal. And they moved to Branson. And in just four short years, God raised up that first church. Amen. But here's the thing. People moved across the country to work with them. Amen. See, you have a covenant of better. You can just keep existing with what you have. Or you can obey your covenant partner and move into better. You understand? I made the decision. Can I tell you another story? I made the decision. And of course, my, my sister's here. And, and when I tell stories like this, I bear no ill will against my father or my, my parents. You don't need to pray for me or set up counseling appointments or anything of that nature. I don't have daddy issues. Okay? But here's what I'm saying. is Now, now regardless of, of mistakes or whatever may have been made, my dad was going to do what he felt like God wanted him to do. And he didn't always go about it right in, in the sense where maybe where family was concerned. But here's the thing. I did not like traveling. I never, and you can uh, witness to this, we never lived anywhere more than two years. Ever. Ever. I quit school. I quit school because I got tired of going to a different one. You'd just get relationships built and you'd leave. Now, they weren't mean. They weren't bad parents. We were well taken care of. We got beat regularly, but we were well taken care of. <laughs> My family lived by the scripture, spare the rod and spoil the child. Amen. Although that's not a scripture, but yeah, it, it does say beat them, they'll not die. I don't like that one either, but my point is, when God called my wife and I into the ministry, you know, people would, would talk about, are you going to be an evangelist? No. I knew I wasn't that. I didn't know what I was, but I knew I wasn't that. And the morning at 7548 Corona Street, that little rental house, Saturday morning when I got up, my feet hit the floor, and it just dropped in my spirit that I was a pastor. I made the decision right then, okay. I'm not moving my family. I'm not moving them. And I, I, I did everything I could do to keep them right here in this area. 
and two of them still live in, the, live in this area. The other one moved to Boston for a, for a job, but now she's talking about coming back. So, except for my, my youngest son, he lives pastors in, in Illinois. But here's my point. When God started talking to me about moving out of state, no, I don't want to do that. People say, why? I'm a homebody. I, I promise you, if you want to know where I'm at any evening of the week except church nights, just, well, don't call home, I won't answer. But the, 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 the point is, I'm home. I'm home. That's, that's, I'd rather be with my family doing stuff with them. Friday night, game night. Play every game in the closet. Candyland, shoots and ladders. Uno. Amen. Let Lily win. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, when she plays Uno, she leans over and you see all of her cards. So I know what not to play. <laughs> Amen. And Pastor Michelle's always forever dropping draw fours and draw twos and reverses. And you're like, we're the ones that are married. <laughs> right? But I won't, I won't give draws to them or right to Lily or Mom. And so at the end of the game, I've got like 48 cards. <laughs> and it's all the big ones. They're all 20 points. Right? And you hear from across the table, Uno. What? Uno? But my point is that that, that is joy for me. Can I build you a fire? Can I cook you dinner? I, I, I want to be home. So when God started saying, I want you to move, it hit me. It hit me deeply. Because I'd worked very hard to keep my family right here for almost 30 years. Remember, I grew up, I wasn't anywhere for more than two years. You following me? But I came to the conclusion, wait a minute, I've got a covenant with God. He's not taking me somewhere worse. He's taking me somewhere better. <laughs> Amen. And when, we, when he took us where we wanted to be, that, that's, where, that's, where, that's where up till now, that's where our dream home was waiting. That's where God could begin to bless this ministry See, what happened with Brother Jerry Sunday morning when he paid off 2414, it doesn't happen if I don't go to Little Rock. Amen. Well, you know, God would have done that anyway. No, he would not have. Because that part of why that was done was relationship. Brother Jerry's not somebody that we have every now and then. He's our friend. We have a relationship. He put his hand on my knee in Little Rock, Arkansas, and he said, if you ever need me for anything, I will be there for you. Relationship. If I'm not where God told me to be, that relationship doesn't come to fruition. That doesn't occur. God will always seemingly put his finger right in the middle of what you want the most. And it will feel like you're going to lose it. But the covenant is not a covenant of loss. There's no provision in the covenant for loss. There's only a covenant of provision. 
You got time for one verse? Psalm 89, verse 34. Hallelujah. This, folks, this changed my life. What I'm teaching you tonight changed my life. I'm, I'm going to tell you, you are looking, before I got a hold of the covenant, you, you are looking at what used to be a world-class loser. I lost at everything. I never finished anything. I never finished anything. If the going got too tough, I'm out. Amen. Now, 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 you know, that sounds, well, you know, uh, no, I never finished anything. I, I, I was running a race in eighth grade, and uh, I was with the P.E. boys. And, you know, if you're a track, uh, a track uh, guy, you, you're supposed to run circles around the P.E. boys. P.E. Right? It was all the nerds. P.E. or sissies. Wait a minute, is that politically correct? Are we allowed to say that? <laughs> I was running against Joel Aguilera, a sixth grader. I'm in the eighth grade. Amen. Joel didn't want to lose. He was about to lose because I was about to pass him, but he just wouldn't give up. I gave up. Amen. And that was the day I wondered. In eighth grade, that was the day I wondered, will I be a quitter all my life? Is this what I'm destined to be? Somebody that never finishes anything? Amen. And so, for a large part of my life, it was just bouncing around. If it got too tough here, I'll go over here. You make it too tough on me and my job, watch me. I'll show you. I'll quit. Amen. When I got a hold of covenant, that ended all that. Amen. Changed my life. Revolutionized my life. Psalm 89, verse 34. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that's gone out of my lips. That word break, it means treat as common, violate the honor of, or dishonor. God says, I will not treat as common, I will not violate, I will not dishonor my covenant. The word alter, it means to change, to disguise, or pervert. I won't change, I won't disguise, and I won't pervert what's come out of my mouth. That's what God said about His covenant. That settles the issue. He said, I will not break my covenant. I will not alter the thing that's gone out of my lips. Well, think, think about this very simply as, as I'm, I'm closing. Think about this very simply. He said, surely in blessing I will bless you. What if I told you that God wants to make your name great? 
I will bless you and I will make your name great. Everybody, that's, that's not just a covenant provision to Abraham. That is a provision of the covenant God made with Abraham that you've been brought into. Proverbs, 30, Proverbs 31, guys, we talk about how that's a, 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 talking about our wives, but what does it say about that wise woman's husband? That he is known in the gates. He's a man of authority. His name is great. Why? Because of his covenant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God wants to make your name great. He wants to make your name great on your job. Name great in your family. Well, my kids don't respect me. Quit saying that. You have a covenant that says your children will rise up and call you blessed. My children respect me. My children honor me. All the time? No, not all the time and not all of them. But I have a covenant that says they will. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Man, you go in that house. I was over at Griffin's house last night, Gene's house, Griffin's birthday. And, you know, of course, I went over there loaded. They heard Paul was coming, and, you know, the question is always, what's he bringing? It's birthday. And so I text. I said, well, you know, what do they want? And, well, he's really into Legos, and he's into the Avengers. And so, you know, I found one of those collectible Avenger bobbleheads, you know, weighed about 20 pounds, and, and, and a big Lego. And, and, well, Harrison's birthday's in two weeks, so what does he like? Well, he likes Nerf guns. And, you know, I'm not going to go and, and get the little, you know, pea shooter Nerf gun. I mean, i got to go get one that's got like a 40 clip, Right? <laughs> He's two, <laughs> going to be three, right? Boy, he shot me with that thing last night. It hurt. <laughs> it hurt. Gene said, Dad, you've just made warfare in this house uneven. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. I walk in that house and those grandkids just come running, just running, jumping. Paul's here. Griffin, he doesn't talk to people much. But he told his mom, when Paul comes, we go to my room and talk. Yeah. And I'll go upstairs in his room and he'll talk to me. Somebody comes up, he quits talking. But he'll talk to me. People say, what is that? My covenant's working. My covenant is working. Your covenant is working right now. It's working in your children. It's working in your grandchildren. It's working in your great-grandchildren. It's working in your seed that you don't even know about yet. They are so blessed to have been born into your lineage because you have a covenant. And your seed will come again from the land of the enemy. (laughs) Isn't that great? Why? You have a covenant. And don't go to God with tears. And, and I'm not against crying. Please don't misunderstand. I weep before the Lord regularly. But don't go to God with tears. Oh, God, I have a problem. You have a covenant. And the covenant takes all question and all sadness out of the equation. It's not just a promise. It's a covenant. It's a blood-sworn oath. Heaven and earth would have to move for it not to happen. Heaven and earth would have to pass away. For it not to happen. You know what's back of your covenant? God's throne. 
The throne of God is tied to your covenant. If the covenant breaks, God ceases to exist. That's impossible. No, it's not. God said in order to break the covenant, you had to be able to stop the sun from setting and the moon from rising. He said if you could stop the tide from coming in and coming out, then you could break, then he would break his covenant. That's that's powerful. Don't you live another day like you got a promise. You live like you got a covenant. I've got a covenant with God Almighty. And you remind yourself of that. Well, well, yeah, how long will it take till I really believe that? It doesn't matter. Your job is keep reminding yourself of that. When When you're up for raises on your job, you got a covenant. So guess who gets it? You get it. Yeah, but somebody else deserves it more. It's not based on deserving. It's based on covenant. Hmm. Don't get in a bidding war with me for a house. I win. Why? Because in my covenant is housing provision. I'm taking you to a land and you're going to get houses that you didn't build. What, what, what did they have that based on? Their covenant. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm shutting up. Amen. If you'd like to give tonight, there's an envelope there in the seat back in front of you. You can certainly sow into the kingdom of God. I believe God. I would like to say that we've had church tonight. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You know, in the local church is where you come and learn about the dealings of God. The examples of faith. In in the local church. Folks, I'm all about online and streaming. But but I'm going to be honest with you. Watching church online consistently is like watching a fireplace on your TV. You can see the flame and hear the wood crackling, but you don't get any heat. There's, There's just things you can't get watching. Now, if you can't be in church, that's one thing. I understand that. I was supposed to be in a meeting this week. But the Lord told me my church family needed me more than than that meeting needed me. I had my tickets bought, my reservations made, everything was ready. And, And you know, I've been watching those meetings online and I've been so blessed. So blessed. Why? The obedience means I can get blessed. I couldn't be there. Amen. You got something tonight. Everybody's not going to get. This is precious. This is, every time you think about that wayward son, remind yourself of your covenant. Every time you think about that wayward daughter, that child, that, that, that relationship that seems to be over, remind yourself of your covenant. Hmm. Amen.